You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. All right, hopefully you won some money on UFC 261 this past weekend. Hey, maybe even some Flames players help you win some money. It's rare, but it happens. If not, basketball season is still going on, and you can still get on the action at DraftKings. Playing daily fantasy basketball is really easy. You just pick your lineup, you stay under the cap, and you see how your team stacks up against the competition. If baseball is more your thing, you may have missed out on season-long fantasy, but there's still time to get in on all the daily fantasy action, where DraftKings has even more ways to win. Download the DraftKings app and use the code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That code is THPN, where you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Mike Smith Still Sucks Podcast, Podcast, Podcast. God, I love playing Mike Smith right now. Dude, I got to give serious props to Milan Lucic and Elias home too, but I kn- <laughs> Lucic on that third goal, on Dubé's goal, pulls up tonight and like sad. He is a that's a veteran savvy move right there. To, saying he knew what he was doing to go five hole. He knew what he was doing going five hole. That dude's five hole like has its own gravitational pull. It's so bad, it's unbelievable. So how do like I don't understand why we just don't shoot just five hole on dude? Like seriously, like, there, there's that play that Mangiapani had a two-on-one with Richie. He's oh. walking and walking and walking. And he's like all over the slot. Dude, just rip it five hole. Just blast it five hole. You're going to score every time. How many times is Elias Lindholm going to beat Mike Smith five hole this year? Hopefully three more times. We play him again next in two days. So My favorite thing is that we're going to have to see his pathetic fluke. Lindholm shoots into his glove saves for the rest of eternity. And they yeah. just will not show the two five hole goals he let in tonight. Look, kudos to Mike Smith for no kudos that. to Mike Smith. Well, listen, for no, making that save. No, but, no, dude, he totally shot it right into his glove. Exactly. <laughs> like you know, I mean, he's in position to make the save. He's taking away the bottom of the net. Like that's all you can do, right? Desperation. But that- but you're right. It wasn't like a Vasilevsky. Connor Hellebuck, Jacob Markstrom. Markstrom made like five saves that were better tonight. Dude, Markstrom was dialed in tonight. Mike Smith never gets kudos. Screw Mike Smith. I hate it when he makes glove saves. What is? I hate Mike Smith so much. 
I love Mike Smith, man. When he's flopping around. I love it when he's getting scored on. I love there any hate. Is there any goalie in the entire league that is more fun to watch to get scored on than Mike Smith? Absolutely not. Like, is there ever a goal he gets scored on where he's not absolutely flailing? Flailing or man, I I just hate I hate him. He flops around on the Dubay. Dubay gets a penalty for that, for his nonsense. Oh, I just can't stand that guy so much. And I love beating him and I love scoring on him so much. Nothing gives me more joy. This season has sucked. I was really happy when Dylan Dubay got that goal or Mike Smith is just like out to goddamn lunch. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, this is a funny situation, I think, because. Look, Mike Smith had a little bit of a hot streak this season. Oh, he's going to win the Vesna. He's Vesna material. And you just knew if every Calgary Flames fan knows it's just a matter of time until a fall from grace happens for Mike Smith because he isn't that good. Even if he's playing that good, he can't keep it up. So, you know, what's amazing is in the, in the second quarter of the season, I guess maybe the second third of the season, he's lights out. And now He's coming back down to grace or fall from fall, fall from perfect grace. timing. So, yeah, to me, that's going to be very interesting to see because I don't know who's who's not going to be cheering against the Oilers. If you're a Flames fan into the playoffs. Um, and so obviously, you know, <laughs> their biggest probably will come down to how how well Mike Smith plays in the playoffs is going to determine if they can make a pass round one. Well, and again, you kind of forget that they literally got bounced in the qualifying round last year by the Chicago Blackhawks who suck because Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen sucked. It's, it's going to be beautiful to watch Winnipeg absolutely wreck these guys in the playoffs. Can't wait. Cannot wait. I did see something interesting on Twitter just a second ago. So, okay. Four points back on Montreal. They they have a game in hand again now. So, it's kind of four or six points. You're still still a wide, wide margin. But, again, the biggest thing, the biggest factor for Montreal, whether they can hang on or not, man, they don't look great right now. They look, they're playing. Okay. Five on five. They just can't score. I mean, you think we have trouble scoring. They have it even worse than us. And yeah, Gallagher, they have no goal scoring is, at all. Is Gallagher out for the rest of the regular season here or what? Well, I don't know how long does it take to recover from a broken thumb? Cause that's what he's got. And he's doesn't, yeah. I don't haven't heard anything. You can't really force a bone to grow faster. <laughs> yeah, they, they suck, man. They are terrible. So, but something interesting somebody was saying is that if they were the Leafs, they would just lose to Montreal to ensure they play Montreal. Because if you're the Leafs, you definitely match up better than you, against Montreal than you do against the Flames. You're looking at regular season success, but do they care? Probably not. 
I don't think they care. Um, Let's hope they don't care. Let's hope they keep winning. Yeah. Um, We haven't seen the Cockies yet, though, so buckle up, everybody. Well, interestingly enough, you say that (laughs) because do you want to know who the league leader is in both high-danger scoring chances for and expected goals for since April 14th? It's got to be Austin Matthews. The the team 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 level though. Oh, say it again. The leader in uh, high danger scoring chance percentage and expected goals for percentage. What it's team? Seen, what team leads the league in since April fourteenth? Last seven games. It's not the Calgary Flames. It's the Calgary Flames. Oh, but it's the players. Man, all I can keep thinking because again, like. You watch that game tonight, and this stupid shortened season. If they had more time, they would be they would be in the playoffs. No, you know what? No it's not it. it's not even the season's fault. It's Brad Tree Living's fault yeah. for waiting way too fucking long to replace Jeff Ward. It's Brad Tree Living's fault for not re- taking the interim tag off of Jeff Ward after last season. It's Jeff Ward or it's Brad Tree Living's fault for not going out and hiring an actual NHL head coach when Bill Peters left. Like you watch the Flames tonight and you watch how well they played McDavid and how well they limited the Oilers high octane offense. And you're like, holy, that's a playoff team. Like, sure, they're not great. They're not as good as the Leafs or the Jets or the Oilers all around. They're a playoff team. They should be in the playoffs. It's really frustrating. So I don't blame it on the season. I blame it on Bradshaw Living. He had three. He fucked oh, it up three. He's fucked it up three times with Ward. me too. <laughs> I he's the, he's the reason why we don't have enough runway left. Yeah, you and know even, how we even there was what thirteen games as fans were sitting there like, why is this guy still our coach? Like we had to wait fucking forever. Again. So what you're saying is, Jeff Ward sucked, and Daryl Sutter has an inclination of what he's doing. Well, and dude, he's so sharp. Like before the game, pregame today, um, somebody asked him, like, how do you stop the others? And he's like, it's pretty simple. You shut down 97, 29, 25, 22. They're a top heavy team. Shut those guys down. Guys down, you win. What'd they do tonight? They did that, they win. It's a guy who knows what he's doing. I mean, his comments throughout the week, like, I don't really care what the players say at this point, but I always am interested to see what Sutter's saying. Yeah. Right. I was texting you right his 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 midweek comments between between games. Yeah, we want to work on being a faster team, and we also want to be work work on a team that actually finishes chances, a better transition team, plays with more tempo. I don't think they came out like that, which had me a little angry. But the thing is, is like. If you're if you're paying if you're following what this guy is saying, like his his analysis is spot on, and that like if you have to have success, you gotta your analysis first off, your assessment has to be bang on, and then your adjustment has to work, right? Like that's what we've been coming back to this whole the adjustment, or sorry, the assessment since the Colorado series has been off, so. First off, that has to be correct. And that's why it's a breath of fresh air with, with Daryl Sutter because his assessment is pretty bang on. It's bang on, and the adjustments he makes 
And what he wants to work on is generally bang on all the time. And again, like we've been saying this whole time, they've been playing good hockey. They just don't have enough skill up front, right? Like to finish, to finish at all. (laughs) If you look at, if you look at every metric, the flames are controlling possession and the quality shot share on most every night. Like I said, Ryan Pike just tweeted this. Since last seven games, the Flames lead the entire NHL in high danger chance percentage and expected goals for percentage. You look at you look at their metrics anywhere. You go to moneypuck.com right now. I'm looking at it. This team is fifth in expected goal percentage at even strength. Only teams better than the Flames. This, this is the season. Or the Leafs, the Canes, the Panthers, the Knights, and the Avs. They're playing good hockey. They're playing sustainable hockey. They're playing hockey that over the long term you know gets you into the playoffs but then you look at their shooting percentage and it's in the shitter it's in the bottom third of the league can't score so that's the story of the season monohan's got to be better what the fuck was with that white tape by the way he's trying to he's trying to change it up he's got like weird one, one little strip of white i noticed that it's very weird. I guess he that that must be how he always tapes his stick. It's just in black, so we don't notice it. Yeah, maybe him. Michael Backlund, could you hit the fucking net for once in your life? <laughs> and no. And no. Brett Ritchie, could you? Holy fuck, dude. Could you do us a favor and pretend you have, I'm not, I guess I shouldn't say it, COVID? Listen, I pre- <laughs> I I was watching Manjapani tonight and it was weird because every his game stats weren't great. He's well below average in terms of all like the quality shot share. But I watched him play tonight, and I was like, every time Manjapani got the puck, he was making shit happen, and he'd give it to Richie. And like I can count like four or five times, but Richie just like can't even handle the puck. Like he can't even skate or handle the puck. It's unbelievable. I think that was the worst game I've seen Richie play. Every time he got the puck, he fumbled it or dropped it. Like it was brutal. Why is he in our top six? I don't. Why is he playing it. with Monahan and Manjapani? What are you doing? Seriously, so like, what are you doing? I, I Monahan was big math tonight, but I mean, I'll give him a bit of a break because he's saddled with Brett Ritchie. Like, good lord, him and Manjapani, it's like four on five out there. God, he's bad. He's so bad. Do you know, I didn't look this up, when Levo was set to come back? I have no clue. I don't even, Honestly, I don't even know what the rules are. Does he have think to quarantine for two weeks? I think it's 12. It's either 12 or 14 days. So he's got to be coming back soon. Get him back ASAP. Holy shit. But the thing is, is like, can we put him in the top nine, please? Please. It's absurd. It's so I don't bad. understand why Richie is even around the top six. Yeah, like, I don't know. And nobody's ever asked, like, hey, Daryl, uh, like, you don't have to be a dick about it. It'd be like, Brett Richie sucks. Why is he playing? But just ask him, like, you know, why is Brett Richie? Why is he playing so much? Oh, he's so bad. It's unreal, man. Like, Brett Richie played as much as Andre Mangiapane tonight. I'm sorry. That's, you can't be doing that. Like put Luci put Lucic with those two guys. I thought Lucic was good tonight, actually. But put Lucic with those two guys. Like, geez. I thought um Rasmus Anderson played his best game in weeks. Best game in months, dude. <laughs> Probably all season. Probably the best I've seen Rasmus Anderson tonight uh, was tonight. He was involved 
in the play offensively to the play on the, on the three, one goal, hell of a play. Yeah. Um, that's cool. what we've been missing. That's what I've been so shocked with is like, he's a smart player. He was a smart player at least. And the b- amount of boneheaded plays per 60, <laughs> this guy has made this year has just been shocking to me. So that was a really high, that was a really uh, intelligent um, play. He made to give that puck to Lucic to the blue line there. He was good in his own zone all night. Really good night for Rastus Anderson. And it's it's interesting because the the off day, or I guess it was the practice day comments from from Sutter. I think it was yesterday when he's talking about, yeah, we want to be a faster team, quicker team, better transition team, and a team that finishes. But that's what we're working on. Those four things. I mean, that's awesome. And then you know the the media was asking him about the D situation and whatnot. And they were asking him some decent questions and they, they were asking him what he thought about RAS, right? But um, interestingly enough, Daryl says he thinks that Rasmus Anderson has been the third best defenseman. As And he also thinks that, or he also said, I don't know if he thinks, that Mark Giordano is still one of the best defensemen in the league. So it's, it's interesting because, I mean, we've been giving it to, to both of them, but we've definitely given it to RAS. And I found it interesting. I don't know what Daryl's smoking. Is it a coincidence though that when he publicly says that Rasmus Anderson has the best game he's had maybe all season? It's true. So I don't know. Okay, it might be a coincidence. Or this guy has a really good beat on players, person personality wise. And well, no knows what to say when. Because how every time he talks about a player, whether good or bad, there's usually a positive response from the player if you're if you're keeping tabs on it. And he said after the game, somebody asked him, uh, did you like Crash to Sanderson tonight? He's like, I like him every night, you know? He knows what he's doing. So that's the only th- strat I'm holding on to with this. Sticking Richie in the... T- like, oh, man, he was... Richie was so bad tonight. Yeah, the, this is... It's, it's borderline, like, again... I try not to hyper focus on stuff like that. I I try to. I don't do a very good job of it. <laughs> but like, dude, he, he, you can't tell me your team's better with Brett Ritchie in the top six. Like, dude was a mess tonight. Like, there was literally two plays. Manjipani. There's three plays. Manjipani breaks up the ice on two on one. You were talking about should have shot it, but he tries to feed it to Richie, who apparently is just a spectator. Like, he's not expecting a pat. Like. Have you ever watched Don Cherry stick on the ice, bud? He's, he's probably like, yeah, I'm going to go for the rebound here. <laughs> and then there was two other plays, I think, in the second period. Yeah, on the coming down the other way where you just like. Yeah, like Manjapani, great little zone entry, dishes to him. He's got a whole he's got a whole lane right to the net, and he literally like forgets to take the puck with him. <laughs> And then he did it again on the left wing. Like, oh, dude, just like the play dies on his stick. He's not a guy who can play with skilled guys like Manjapani and Monahan. Period. No, he's. I mean, look, Ryan, uh, Derek Ryan can pull it off. He can move up and down the lineup. Guys like Britt Ritchie. Look, when he first played his his first couple games or whatever, he was okay. And you're like, yeah, this guy probably deserves to be in the lineup, just not in the top six. But man, he stunk. Yeah, you can't be doing that with guys like that. It's like you like he has zero skill. If you 
if you want him in your lineup, that's totally fine. He can crash a decent skater. Just go hit some stuff and get off the ice. But I mean, when he's on your second line with, again, your best five on five player in Manjapani, it's just a, just a neutering effect. He has, it's no good. So Daryl, thankfully at least goes back to, um, Goudreau on the top line with, with Lynn Holman and Kachuk. They were, they, that line looked good tonight. Yeah, they were so good. That line, we were, I know we were pissed that they had split them up and put Monty back with Johnny. That line needs to be a mainstay. They are so good. Yeah. Um, and, the media did ask Daryl about it after the game, and and Daryl did mention that, look, those are the top three players, so they got to be they got to be producing. Yeah, and Matthew Kachuk, really strong game. Yeah, definitely one of his, definitely his, his best game in weeks, I would say. Yeah, for sure. He was involved physically. Like yeah, Daryl was saying, I, he was strong in the wall, strong down low. Yeah. Strong in the areas you expect him to be strong in. Yeah. Physical, right? Was that Kubelik? Kubelik caught uh, Dubé. Not too bad. And then Matthew Kachuk targeted him after. So that was nice. it. Was Cassian playing? No, he wasn't. I didn't he, see him anyways. He, he's just suffering from the Calgary flu this season. Eh? Oh, yeah. It's kind of a coincidence, eh? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, Chucky making plays that uh like for me, that that's set up to Lindholm for yeah. the first goal. That is vintage Chuck, man. That's vintage right there. That I've seen we've seen that goal how many times? We've even seen that Chuck to Lindholm, like that cycle play, like that's his bread and butter right there. You think about how effective he was with the 3M line, whether that was with Manjapani and Backlin or Manj- or Backlin and Frolik on the cycle. Like think about how many chances he has either set up or scored on a play like that. Yep, that's what he is so good at. He's he's probably the best on the team as far as walking out of the corner with the puck making plays. Yeah, one hundred percent strong on the walls again. Like that's what I'm saying. Where's that pat? Like that was a nice little power move there. He's strong with the puck. Puts it right on Lindholm's tape. It's Matthew Kachuk. That's what we need from him. I think with Chucky, man, I don't know. Like he, I think he does train with Gary Roberts, doesn't he? I'm not sure. He needs to if he's not. But <laughs> why is his bro so much sturdier? Yeah, like that's a that's what's weird. It's like that's what we've been saying. He's falling down all the time. He's losing the like. I don't know if that's just uh I'm not sure. He's got to figure that out in the offseason because if he can, if he was even just half as sturdy, man. Like, I don't even know if it's he, if he's, I kind of feel like it's a tactical thing from him, though. Don't you? Like, when I watch him when he's like falling down unnecessarily or when he's falling down, it feels unnecessary 90% of the time. <laughs> Unless he's just like Bambi out there, but like when he's falling around, it just feels like, bro, you don't need to like try to draw a penalty every time, right? I don't know. McDavid sure does, though. Eh? <laughs> Fuck, is it nice to see somebody be physical with Connor McDavid? Yeah. Ooh, I'm going to hear a cup. Oh, Nesterov laying David McDavid out. That was nice. Listen, Nesterov made some boneheaded plays tonight. Oh, man. Yeah. He had a few shifts where I was just like, wow. But, but he he, was, he made a few nice plays, too. But he was pretty good all around. And then and I think it was, um, was it him that made that huge block? Well, he gave the puck away and then blocked it. So yeah, Good. late in the power play, but that was probably a goal, man. It was a wide open net. So. Oh yeah, totally. Well, you know, dry set, I'll put that pretty high. 
Fuck, you know what? Like, as much as hate as we give McDavid, I'd sure like to see somebody plaster Leon Dreisaitl. Just plaster him in the open ice. Holy Dude, shit. Is there a more annoying player in the league? He's such... You know what? He's really dirty, too. Like, with his stick work, he slew foots guys. He's a sneaky, dirty guy. He's a whiner. I hate that guy. I would love to see the Jets beat him down, dude. Totally. That's but I mean, that's, that's, that's going to be a fun series. Yeah, that's going to be just wild. But that's how you beat. That's how you play them, right? You play them physical, you know, and you don't let them get to the hard areas where, like, that's like Daryl said, you you contain those guys. You protect the house from guys like McDavid and Drysettle, and you're probably going to win because nobody else on that team can do dick. And that's what they did tonight. Like Connor and, McDavid, but, I think only had two high danger scoring chances at even strength. I don't even know if Drysaddle had one. Like they contain those guys really well tonight. And I think um, Markstrom had a really sneaky. Oh yeah, he game, he was very good. Like I was a little worried because that Neil goal. Eesh, yeah, but he the rebound, thing is, he rebounded really well. The thing though is with the Neil goal. Dude, yeah, how much time does yeah. this guy have? Just to walk in, right? And like, look, Neil. He can score. Yeah, he's right. A he's got he's just a bit of a sniper. So if you give him that much room, he shot that exactly where he wanted it to go. And it found a way through through Markstrom. So yeah. it's not like you, you know, one of these plays where a guy like Backlund comes in, he just shoots it as hard as he can at the net. And most times most times <laughs> into the crest, really, baby. Most times it's into the crest or off the glass, but the odd time it just finds a way in. Like Neil shot that exactly where he wanted it. So I don't really, I don't really blame Markstrom so much. This like, where is the coverage? Yeah, that was Valimaki. Was that Valimaki was on the ice? He was lost. Stone didn't know what he was doing. And then two minutes later, Drysital, all alone in the slot with literally four Calgary Flames on every single corner of him. <laughs> but the, to me, that was that was the best save of the night. Yeah, he made a few. He made a few solid saves in the third too. Um, yep. But yeah, robbing dry settle on that. And I mean, again, like man, the the penalty kill. I just want to say, like Chris Tanev. Okay, he didn't have the greatest night tonight, but this dude is Connor McDavid's dad. <laughs> what do you mean by that? I mean he plays Connor McDavid so well. Chris Tanev against the Edmonton Oilers this year. Tonight was the first night he's had an expected goals for percentage that was under under 50%. Like, he's just been dynamite versus the Edmonton Oilers this year. Like, just dynamite. And, like, again, like, McDavid's lit us up a few times, but that's, like, the third game this year, three of nine, that the Flames has kept him off the score sheet. I mean, that seems like maybe, oh, wow, big, big fucking deal, but. No, that's a big deal. It kind of is. And if you look at the Flames, how well they've played the Oilers this season. Again, they've lit us up. What did they score seven on? They did a seven spot twice this year, right? Yeah, I think so. But other than those two games, the Flames have played the Oilers really well. <clears throat> if you look at all the teams who have, well, just the North Division, the Flames, only the Canadians have allowed less high danger chances against the Oilers this year, and they've played two less games against the Oilers. So, like, per 60 minutes, the Flames have allowed the fewest high danger chances against I mean, I guess you can say Vancouver's. No, not Vancouver. No, yeah, it's Calgary. Fewest high danger chances against per 60 minutes, five on five. The Flames have played pretty solid defense against the Oilers since 
Daryl Sutter's taking over. Man, I wish there was 20, 25 games left. Man, I wish this stupid GM didn't look at the dumb, crappy, awful play in Dallas and say, yo, that's the guy we're going to hire. Oh, real good. Because what you're seeing, what you're going to see, I mean, you rattle off those stats that you just you just did with regards to how the team has been playing under Sutter, you know, in the past two, three weeks. And what happens under a new coach? Because, I mean, look, they went through, they lost eight of nine. <laughs> like, there's the season now there. Right, like if you if you even cut that back down back to five out of nine, you're in a playoff spot right now. That's what's so frustrating is like Montreal and Vancouver are just handing this to you on a platter, and you still that but, stretch just killed you. But that's the growing pains of a new coach. That's why you can't wait. You can't wait till it's the the very last shred of you know hope left, and just hope for a miracle. Like you bring in a new coach, it's, there's going to be an adjustment period. But what you're gonna what you're going to see now, rattling off all those those team stats, when the wins start to come with it, the buy-in and the belief comes with it. And when you start combining buy-in and belief with good hockey, then you become a really good team. So I don't know. It's funny because we keep on saying like, man, this roster, if you're looking at like Richie in the top, top six, I guess Nordstrom was at least in the, on the fourth line tonight. But if he's playing in the, in, if Nordstrom's in the top nine and Richie's in the top six, I don't even care how good the coach is and how well the team is playing. Like, I guess the Islanders can pull it off, but man, we need some more goals. We need some more goal scoring. Imagine if, imagine if you had one more guy, imagine if he had it to fully. One more guy would do would make a world. Imagine <laughs> you've had Duclair and Toffoli. Imagine you have Duclair and Verhage. Imagine you had Duclair and oh, geez, that's just like it's so stupid, man. So, but this is kind of where we're at, right? In terms of where does this team go? Um, because Sutter will have a positive in- impact on the team. We're, we're already seeing it, and he's laying the groundwork for what will probably be. Um, you know, putting something together for next season and guaranteed if Brad asks Daryl, what do you need in the off season? He's going to say, we need goal scorers. Like this guy has such a dialed in assessment of what, where this team needs help. So because he's got a brain, he's got a brain and he knows hockey. Like, if you just literally, if you added one, like, and that's the thing, like, I'm not trying to shit on Lindholm because everyone, like, look at Lindholm, right? Like, he's not, he's not a huge difference maker because he's not a great play drive. He doesn't do anything great, but what does he do? Scores goals. Yep. If you add one guy like that, another guy like that, who scores, doesn't have to be a world beater. Oh, he's like a Toffoli. Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have to be some... You don't have to go out and get Mark Stone, but geez, I've got another guy like Lindholm who can just put the puck in the net, which sure has shit help, man. Like you don't have to be out there looking for the next franchise player. Like, I mean, it was sure help, but no, I think we'll stick with Richie. I think we'll stick with Nordstrom, Simone. Like if you had added to Foley, 
who can finish. Levo, I still think can be oh, that dude, guy. Oh, dude, I totally think Levo can be that guy. You look at all his numbers, he's still one of the best creators of scoring chances. One of the only guys who drives play. Like, it just blows my mind they don't utilize him more. So, he's got to be in the man. top. He's got to be in the top nine. He's got to be in Richie's spot, period. Period. Or at least third line. Can't play, can't have uh, Levo playing fourth line minutes. Ridiculous. No, ridiculous. You can't have Levo if you're a good team. If you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, sure. Yeah. If you're the Calgary Flames and Brett Ritchie and Nordstrom are in your top nine, no. Like if Levo went to the Canadians, dude, he'd be top six player. Oh, totally. It's kind of like Bennett going to Florida. Yeah. OT winner tonight, baby. OT winner. He's got 11 points in eight games. What a beauty. Fluke though, eh? Yeah, he's just looking out. Like when you score, like, dude, do you ever recall seeing Sam Bennett three on three overtime in Calgary? Not once. Probably because he I, sucks. Probably because he sucks. I'd like to see the the, the metrics on that. How much over? Like, Tobias Reeder had more overtime minutes <laughs> in one season than Sam Bennett had in set in six, or whatever the uh, hell. Tobias Reeder. Oh, Tobias. No, we don't love you. So, but the point is, is like when you're playing good hockey and you're old, then the results start to come too. Then the team buy-in takes it to another level. So this next game against Edmonton's pivotal. The same thing I've been saying in the last week, right? The one shred of hope I have left is the amount of, like these guys actually have days off. No one else does. Look at Montreal, man. What was like the... what, 13 and 21 or something ridiculous? Yeah, they yeah. they don't even have two. They don't even have twice as many days as there are games. Like there's less. <laughs> so, and, and the flame, flame, flames, it's opposite. And what we've seen under Sutter since taking over is when they have time, off time to implement stuff in practice and stuff like you see results. So this next game against Edmonton is so huge, obviously for standings. I mean, that's, that's a given, but for the buy-in factor, right? If they can, if they can do something similar to what they did to Edmonton tonight and for Calgary, all you're trying to do is replicate what you did tonight because you, I mean, you used to put the deserved win, win meter up after the game. For all intents and purposes, Calgary dominated the majority of that game. Yeah, they were good. And I think what was shocking to me was how good they were on, like their penalty kill has been bonkers good. When was the last time, like how many, like, look, we don't want to jinx it. I'm knocking on wood as we say this. Connor McDavid scores four power play goals on Saturday. But the penalty kill has been amazing. And again, like I was saying, Chris Tanev is a huge part of that. So is Sean Monahan, apparently. Fuck, he's good. Yeah, Sean Monahan. Yeah, Tana's a beast. It's funny, like, they got all the fourth-line plugs, <laughs> killing penalties, but whatever they're, what, however they're setting up, it's effective. I don't know if they're, if they're setting up specifically for each different team, but the penalty kill has been amazing. It's been just, really great. I just think this this next game, man, if, if you can – Replicate it. Obviously, 
the fatigue thing's a major factor, especially this season. Everything's amplified, right? Because everybody's got way less time off to recover. So when you have a back-to-back, I think it's even more, it's even more tiring. And what was it? They said the Oilers had played four, or yeah, four games in six nights or something like that. Um, there's only one day off. The Oilers aren't going to be completely rested. You got to win this game, and I don't even care. Like not, not even like for the playoff rates. That's a given. I just think like as far as where Sutter has what he's been able to implement. And if you want this team to have a buy-in going into next season, which man is so key right now to start playing for the next season. It's kind of like when you're in a blowout game, right? In a vacuum blowout game. And you got to play that team again, you know, four nights from now, but you have a game in, in between and it's like six, one, seven, one late, like, you know, halfway through the third period, but then you get one. And then you get another one. Now it's seven three, and then you have a few chances, like in the dying minutes. And it's like, Caleb, you know, they actually showed some life at the end. That you can carry that into the next game, the next two games. When you see that team again, and, and like later on in the week, you don't you don't feel so. It's not so daunting, right? You got you feel good about yourself. Same thing for this going into the next season, especially if you know we spent so much time on it from a management standpoint. Don't you want to have a, a, a indication of what you have? Don't you have a, want to have a fair assessment of what this team might be capable of doing going into next season? Because that's what you're going to see in, in, the, in the final. What do we got? Eight games left? Not even, right? Seven? Uh, is it six? They played game 48. And uh, how many games are in this stupid season? I think seven games left. Yeah. So it's huge. I think um, this next game, man, is it could decide how much buy-in you're going to get for the remainder of the season, which will could heavily determine what direction management goes in the off season and what Brad, what Brad does for next year. Well, and I think, I think back, this is just me like, Oh, it's just the same as when Sutter was here last time when he was hired in Oh, two Oh three or whatever. He took over that team. They were a mess. He kind of got them turned around there, playing some good hockey towards the end, but they didn't quite make it because, again, it was too late. But then it was the next year you saw dividends on that, right? He's not a miracle worker. He's just a really good coach. Yeah. What you do have working for you, though, we were we were talking about this earlier today. You only have to tie Montreal because if you can catch Montreal, that means you'll have more regular regulation wins. We... <laughs> Because right now, I think currently you have one more regulation win. Right? You have one more win. Well, one more win. Regulation yeah, more wins, win. you got way more, I think. One more regulation win. Yeah, you're right. One more regulation win and one more win in general. So both okay. tie breaks. And then you have the season series. So if you can, all you have to do is catch them. I mean, that's a that's another big, that's that's that could be huge. Like, no one's really talking about that in terms of, you know, the standings and catching Montreal. You only have to tie them, and you're in. I so, don't know what the elimination number is at right now. It obviously went, uh, like, with the Flames win tonight, I'll have regulation loss last night. It's bumped up. Um, it was at five and a half there for a while, so meaning every time a flame, the Flames lose and every time the Habs win, that number goes down until it reaches zero. Um 
So I think it's, I think somebody tweeted it earlier. It's like 10 and a half now, which obviously will run out, but yeah, man, like it would take a miracle, but with the way Montreal's playing. Well, and they got Toronto three more times. Like I'm, I watched that, that game today. And I'm like, man, Toronto could very, it could, it would not shock anybody. I don't think if Toronto swept Montreal 4-0 in these last, this last four games with them, like Montreal can't score. Toronto can, they're a much better team. Montreal's not playing well. They look tired. They look fatigued. They, they only have a tougher schedule. So we'll see. God damn it. If you just beat Ottawa once this one more time this year, you still got another chance to do it. Holy <laughs> shit. So there's just why watch. They'll beat Edmonton and lose to Ottawa again. Probably just the way it goes. That second period tonight. They should have had three goals. That's where they absolutely unloaded and dominated because I think the first, both teams were a little meh. The third, the Oilers had a big push towards the end. The second period, the Flames absolutely owned the Canadian or Canadians, Oilers. Nine scoring chances to the Oilers, three. Four high dangers to the Oilers, three. They were like that one shift where they hemmed them in for like how long? Yeah, it was awesome. Fantastic shift. I don't know how Johnny doesn't bury that one on the side of the net. Yeah, that's just that's a tough shot, tough angle. You like it was impressive. He got it elevated that fast. Nine times out of ten, he scores that. But it's just one of those goddamn years. And then the Lindholm man, that that should have been a goal. <laughs> that should have been a hat trick goal. Should have been a hat trick goal. Lindholm just shot it right into shit. Because Mike Smith again, Smith plays those things different. He plays cross crease passes way differently than everybody else. Like most other guys would just push off and remain upright, and you can bury that. He just flails. Right where Lindholm shot it, but he's on his belly. <laughs> so, like, he just throws his glove up, and it goes right into his glove. So, Lindholm was thinking maybe five-hole, I guess. Eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, regardless, Rass um, sets up the tip goal. Great tip. And I know that Sutter's been been harping on Rass to to shoot more. Well, he's been harping on everybody to shoot more too. Um, and, but some yeah, something he said today. I think this was pregame. I might have been listening to it yesterday. I think it was today. He was talking with Labardius, and he was talking about how the guys need to when they get the puck in high uh, high danger areas, they need to shoot more, right? And <laughs> holy shit, do they ever? I mean, the Manjipani one for me sticks out. It's just like, dude, yeah, you got to bury that, bro. Well, you got to, you have a lane from the slot. Like the D-man wasn't, was not, he was not playing. He, he was not playing the shot at all. Yeah, no, no. And then, I mean, Rast is on that third goal. Again, that's the Rast is Anderson. Great little neutral zone play. Yeah. Really heads up play to draw that D-man into him and give Lucic a, a step on that guy. Like That's the Rast is Anderson we know. That's the guy who, who was so good last year. Great game from Rastus Anderson. Yeah, and I mean, that's encouraging, right, to see players like Rastus Anderson, Matthew Kachuk have a great game. They need to build on their personal games. And again, the team needs to, to just repeat what they did. And 
obviously, like, man, those are unbelievable uh, statistics that you're, you're throwing out there as far as the team statistics go. So whatever Sutter has been implementing, it's working. So you got to keep, you keep sticking with it. You might have to, you know, have a, you know, Markstrom's going to, Markstrom's going to, dude, Markstrom's going to finish the season. Until, until we're mathematically eliminated, it's Markstrom here on out. You and might even see him here on out regardless, to be honest. He might um, need to steal one here. I don't think he stole tonight. He was just solid. But he might need to. But, man, this team, they could get on a bit of a roll here. Ehlers is out, right? Yeah, Ehlers out for the season, I believe. Oh, man, that sucks for the that Jets. sucks for the Jets big time. Good for us, though. Really good for us. Don't we play the Jets how many more times? Twice? I think I think just once, actually. Isn't it Oilers? Fuck, I don't even know anymore. The schedule. It's just like this season is just... It's, this has felt like one... Last year and this year combined have felt like one long season, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been weird. It's been so, so weird. Okay, here's the rest of the games. Dude, this is what I'm talking about. Okay. Off day, then you got Edmonton. You get three days off after Edmonton. Then you play Winnipeg. Then you got three days off. You got the whole week. You got three days off between games. Then you have Ottawa. Then you have three days off. Then Vancouver, two days off. Vancouver again, day off. Vancouver back-to-back. Man. They, um, that was a big win tonight. I think, I don't know, Edmonton's probably your toughest opponent to, to finish out the season. So if you can repeat what you did, get a little more buy-in, then you have three days to prepare for Winnipeg. I'm sure they're coming off a of back-to-back. Like, compared to everybody else, everybody's still playing every other night with back-to-backs. And Like, Montreal is playing every other night with some back-to-backs strewn in there. And that's, like, the same for everybody. I don't know, like, how <laughs> we got this... This all this off time. It's crazy. It could make a difference. 